BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode 140 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. And might I add, the Apple-featured Highly Relevant Podcast. So a friend of mine texted me uh, this past weekend and says, yo, you should check out the Apple Podcast Browser. You'll be surprised. And when I check it out, there I was with like Maria Hinojosa, Alicia Menendez, top banner homepage. And I mean, you could just only imagine the 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 level of surrealness that I kind of went through at that moment. Because when you get into this business of podcasting, what's the what's the pinnacle moment for you? Right? In sports, there's a championship, there's a trophy at the end. But what's what what is it for a podcaster? Right? Obviously it's to make money, but it's to reach the pinnacle of your industry and Apple being featured on Apple's homepage top banner, that's like something in the back of your head that you're always like, man, that would be a dream if I could achieve it. And so I feel like I'm living a bit of a dream here and uh, it's great. So I wanted to thank all of you listeners for supporting us throughout the years. Um, Three years ago, I decided to do this show because I just did not see myself reflected or Latinx talent reflected in the mainstream coverage of entertainment news and just news period. You know, go look at the morning shows, look Morning America, the Today Show, look at the evening news, look at cable news. It's it's almost like Latinos don't exist even though we're 18% of the population and, you know, don't even get me into it. But that's why the highly relevant exists. It's to celebrate these Latin talents, these Latin creatives, these people that are reshaping what American mainstream pop culture is. It's not just white. It's also not just black. It's a melting pot of every single artist from every different culture that wants to partake in American culture. And hopefully we've done a great job of it. And I'm glad that it's being recognized by Apple. And, you know, hopefully I can continue doing these shows for you guys. So on today's episode. Yeah, I thought I was crazy. I thought I I couldn't pull it off because I didn't speak that good of a Spanish, but I, I delve into it, man. And that's bilingual stand-up comedian Felipe Esparza, who joins me to discuss his historic bilingual Netflix comedy specials, Bad Decisions and Malas Decisiones. And the reason it's historic is because he recorded two separate performances, one in English and one in Spanish, which no Latino comedian has ever done before. Not Cristela, not George. Not Fluffy Iglesias. So 
why haven't they? And why hasn't anyone else done it before? What made Felipe want to do it? And what does Felipe's achievement mean for comedy's evolution? Should all established and upcoming Latinx comedians take note? But before I talk to Felipe Esparza, it's time I give you my weekly review of what's happening in Latinx and mainstream pop culture in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie, TV, and music news of the week. The 2020 Emmys viewership dropped to a new low of 6.1 million viewers compared to the record low of 7 million a year before. Broadway Cuban actor Nick Cordero's posthumous album, Live Your Life, hits number one on the day of release. Ellen DeGeneres apologized on her show for having a toxic workplace environment. Star of Hulu's Love, Victor, Michael Cimino signs with CAA. DeSouza Mero renewed at Showtime for a third season. Brazilian reggaeton star Anita collaborated with Cardi B and Mike Towers on a new song called Me Gusta. And Stranger Things 4 could resume shooting production September 28th. And in tech and social media news, the ill-fated short-form content app Quibi is exploring options for a potential sale. Peacock officially launches on Roku. Trump agrees to TikTok Oracle Walmart partnership deal. Selena Gomez pleads with Facebook to better police misinformation and hate speech. Lego is making a baby Yoda toy. And the new PlayStation 5 launches this November starting at $399. <laughs> First of all, man, congratulations on doing something I think that is historic, in my particular opinion. Thank you, man. I think um, a lot of you have been saying that. I didn't think about it in the beginning um, when I first started doing this. I just wanted to do a stand-up comedy in Spanish for a long time. And uh, when Netflix asked me, you want to do an English one? And I said, can I do a Spanish one too? And they said, um, sure, how good is your Spanish? Mas o menos. <laughs> It's not just Mexicans coming over, people from El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Honduras, Peru, Venezuela. They come into America illegally and they steal Mexican jobs. Are you fucking serious? We gotta make America great for Mexicans again. Ahorita hay muchos hombres aquí con mujeres muy bonitas. Siempre decimos lo mismo, ¿verdad? Me rayé, cabrón. Were you born in the United States or were you born? No, I was born in Mexico. I was born in um, a little town, Ruiz Cortines, Sinaloa, by Los Mochis and Huamuchi. When did you come to the United States? What age? I came when I was little, I guess five, five years old. And you picked up English very quickly by going to schools, by hanging out with friends. I picked up English. Well, I, I spoke. Spanish the first five years of my life fluently, I guess. And then when I got to the United States, kindergarten was tough, you know. When I was a kid, there was no ESL class. There was no English as a second language, you know. So I had to pick it up quick or move behind. I remember when we had to stand in front of the class and see the ABCs and everybody finished theirs. And I stopped at T. And I didn't know the rest. So now fast forward, you're a stand-up comedian. People start getting to know your name. You've been touring in English, which is really interesting because uh, if you're born in Mexico and you're learning English, you haven't assimilated enough for white people to, to, to feel that you're a part of their, their society, obviously. Yeah, man. Even though, even though we watch the same television shows. Yeah. We like the same food. We buy the same things. And, and, and I'm not speaking for other Latinos, but I know that Mexicans, we always buy American cars. 
<laughs> but I grew up um, happy, man. I grew up in the housing projects, and uh, it was like a little community with a bunch of people. Um, it started off, I guess, it was all African American, and then Mexicans took over, and and then um, Vietnamese, and then Filipinos. We had like a melting pot in the housing projects, like. In the 80s, a lot of uh, a lot of Vietnamese moved into the housing projects. And then like in 82, 83, a lot of Salvadorians from El Salvador. So I guess my my neighborhood was a refugee camp. Eh? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I never thought about it like that to right now. So tell me what the real concept of preparing for a show like this meant for you. Like what was the theme of what you wanted to do with this compared to the other shows you've done? The first special was called I'm Not Like That No More, you know, the saying when you um, date somebody and you try to take it to the next level and she talks, stops you and she goes, I'm not like that no more. You're special. So that was my first special was just my stand, all my jokes, all my jokes I have ever written. Second special was more personal because my wife and I produced it and it was called Translate This, which basically was talking about me translating for my parents and doing all the mostly the immigrant story of how I got here. And then this special, we went a little darker. I felt more comfortable talking about the bad stuff that happened within my family. I talk about uh, domestic violence, you know, one of the, in the middle of, the, of, my, of my one hour. I talk about an incident that really happened in my house when my dad came home, you know, really drunk and abusive. And I talk about the situation that happened and how we never really dealt with it. And um, the joke is really mainly about how, how families here in America and around the world never deal with stuff like that. Like somebody gets hit, you know, an adult hits another adult and you're a child watching it. We never like, nobody talked to us about it. Like that was wrong or take it to therapy and we just gotta put it behind us. So I talk about that on my one of my bits. And I talk about um, raising kids while being a drug addict, you know, how tough it is, you know, how to be a, a horrible father and a bad dad and and then um coming to the coming to real life later on that um I was a good dad. You know, I survived, you know, and I did a special, you know, like a, it's like a survival story, you know. Sounds like it was a lot of therapy for you, man. Yes, it is because a lot of stuff that I talk about, I should have dealt with it many, many years ago, but I didn't. But, and I had it in my back of my head to do it as a comedy bit before, but never did it. And I finally did it. And one of the bits, when you watch it, it was tough saying it on stage because I was holding back a lot of emotion, a lot of tears. And when my mom saw that bit, she kind of went, she gasped a little bit, like a mom, you know. Porque está diciendo todo, todo esto. Estos son secretos de nosotros. Esto pasó en la casa para, no te lo para todo el mundo que sepan, you know. Why did you talk about this? This is our stuff, our personal stuff, not for the whole world to know. But then she laughed. And then when, when, when people were walking out the show, she said, it didn't happen the way he said it. He only remembers the bad stuff. He should do a jokes about the good stuff, you know, like when he was sick and I made him soup, when I would walk him to school holding his hand 
And I'm like, you know, that's not funny. You know, tragedy is funny, not that. How do you feel so confident about opening up about yourself, but also about stuff that other people don't want to know? Because remember, when you tell a joke about something that happened to someone you know, you're involving them in that. And now they start making either fun of them or they start judging them. So it's not necessarily kept exclusively to you. It's almost like it's spread out to everybody else. How do you make, how does comedy allow for people to be okay with those moments? I think if it's coming from the person telling a story, like it really happened to him like a tragedy and it's real and somehow he made it funny, the audience knows right away for some reason, you know, like he knows, they know that it's coming from a, a real part of his life. Plus, I, 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 I workshop the joke many times and, uh-huh. and the only way that joke worked if I paint a picture and say the joke as a five-year-old, because it happened when I was five. If I, when I was saying the jokes as a grown man, it looked like this grown man is so bitter and he's talking bad about this stuff in his life. But when I really get into the character and talk about it and put my put my mouth voice in it and her character and my dad and my little brother and then me being innocent as a six-year-old boy, five-year-old boy, and talk about it, it becomes more real. It's like a, you're watching it happen the way it really happened, and you're, you're not taking sides. You're not taking my mom's side. You're not taking my side. You're just watching it as a, as a witness, you know, as a non-bipartisan guy watching this sad stuff going down. And then, and then as, as a comedian, I've been doing it for like a 24 years now, 25 I know how to take it to the next level. So I will practice, okay, I'll add this to the bit. I'll add that to the bit. I'll, I'll see, I'll take the crowd here. You polish you know? it up. So one of the, the, the joke is, the, one of the, when my mom, when my little brother, who was a, a victim of the joke too, it really happened to him. He had never heard me say the joke, but I had him on a podcast and I told him about it. He goes, I sort of remember that one time when, <laughs> and then he goes, and, and man, when we were talking about it, we had, um, it was good to talk about it because my brother and I had never dealt with it till now. And it took us, what, 40 years. That must have been tough, man. 40 years to finally deal with it. And then uh, we dealt with the mother stuff because we talked about how my dad, like, even, he never had time for us, you know, like, he always worked, and my, I thought that my, my little brother played um, Pop Warner football, tackle football, and um, he was, like, the best quarterback, and um, they won, the, the, they won city champs of that little league, um, tackle um, football, mm-hmm. and, um, and then I, I asked my brother, I, after he, he was bragging about how good he was, que la chingada, badass. Then I asked, and I, I crushed them. You know, I didn't want to, sorry to say I crushed them, but I had to ask, you know, because I put that in my bit. How many times did my mom and dad go see you play? None. I remember, I remember playing and scoring touchdowns, and I would see other parents cheer their kids for blocking 
and um, for catching the ball, for tackling somebody. But I'm the one that's throwing all the touchdowns. I'm the one that's taking this team and holding them on my back. And they never went. They never went. And he was sad about it. Yeah, man. So this seems to be almost like a like a like a like an autobiography, like a journal that's been opened yes. up for you to share with with the rest of the world and somehow find the funny moments in uh, many of the tragedies of your life. My brother found the funny moment immediately. Wow. And I told my brother, that's the punchline for the joke, by the way. What? Yeah. That, what, what you just said right now was the punchline. Because after all that, my brother said, because I told him, remember when you played baseball and you were pitching and you were good? And he goes, I asked him, how many times did my mom and dad go? Not one time. And we lived across the street. It's crazy, dude. And that's the punchline for one of my jokes. And we lived across the street. Whenever we would play baseball, my dad would look out the window and close the curtains. Crazy. Bueno, Felipe, te quiero hacer la pregunta sobre the Spanish one. I am the host of a television show. I do it in English and I do it in Spanish. It's on NBC and it's on Telemundo. So when I record, I record all my spots in English and then I record all my spots in Spanish. And then the editors put it together and it comes out on those two networks. I've asked people so many times that are bilingual, that are born in the United States, that are Latinx, Latino, American, why doesn't everybody do it? And there's another guy named Jose Diaz Balart. I'm not sure if you know him. He's on Telemundo. He's also on MSNBC and NBC does nightly news. He's the only other guy that I know that does that. The reason I'm talking to you today is because you're the third guy I know that has done something like this. And when I read the fine line on the email, it said, first person uh, to ever do something like this. So here's my question. Whose idea was it to do it in two languages, in two separate tapings. It was all my idea. And what did they, when they heard the idea, what did they think you were crazy? Yeah, I thought I was crazy. They thought I, I, I couldn't pull it off because I didn't speak that good of a Spanish. But I, I delved into it, man. I, I, I went full, hardcore, you know, deep. Um, I would practice every morning, man, like, like I would wake up, I, I would do what other what an actor would do, you know. I, I I found out how De Niro would do this in the morning, you know. He'll wake up in the character and put on the character's shoes, and how would the character wear his jacket? What would the character do when he wakes up? Would he look this way or would he look that way? You know, what would he do? And that to be different from the person that he really is. I don't speak Spanish at all, so I don't have no one to speak Spanish with. So I wake up in the morning, listen to Piolín in the morning. Gracias, Emilio Estefan. Te agradezco mucho. You know, I listen to him because he talks super, super fast. Y prepárense porque pueden hacer ustedes preguntas también a Emilio Estefan. And then I will go listen to um, CNN with Camilo. De inmediato presento mi primer invitado por sus manos o la de sus técnicos. Then I will switch to Telemundo, you know, in the evening for the Telemundo News, which is 24 hours on Sirius. And then I will go to a Spanish podcast and then listen to my, my tape that I recorded on my phone, my Spanish set. And once I would get to the show, I wouldn't speak English to anybody. If somebody would spoke to me in English, I would answer in Spanish. So just get ready, man. So when I finally get on stage, I'm already ready to speak Spanish. 
without having to think in English and then translate the word in Spanish, which, which takes a long time if you're not ready. A veces peleo con mi niño. Tú no eres mi papá. Yo sé que no soy tu papá. Si yo era tu papá, no estuviera aquí, cabrón. Do you feel you're funny in Spanish? I felt funnier in Spanish because coming from a a, a, a Spanish speaker, I feel like um, I real I feel that I'm speaking in English, but with uh, in a Spanish way. Some words I have problems with. So why do you think no one else that is bilingual, Cristela Alonso, Fluffy Iglesias, Gabriel Iglesias, why, why haven't they been able to pull this off? Why has no other Mexican comedian or any Latino comedian that say they're Latino and that they do speak Spanish, why do you think they've never been able to pull this off? I don't know. I think they're comfortable in their shoes, you know? But I really think that um, if anybody else is going to do one in Spanish, it's going to be either... Um, George Lopez or Paul Rodriguez, because I know that Paul Rodriguez is, is fluent in Spanish. So why hasn't he done it before, man? And Paul Rodriguez has done a, I've, I've heard, and Paul Rodriguez told me that he did a Spanish show for HBO in Puerto Rico many, many years ago. But I don't know where that tape is. And um, and when, when, I just, when I wanted to do it, this is why I wanted to do it. I saw, I have, to, I have fans in Morocco and they, they posted a video and these girls are nothing to do with the religion, but they are Muslim and they wear the hajib, Egypt, the hijab. Yeah. Huh? They wear it, you know, but they, their face is open, but they wear it and they look like Muslim girls. They live in Morocco. They speak Spanish. You know, they're from Spain. And um, so awesome. they have a video that I posted up on my on my Instagram, and they're both quoting a, a, a movie line from Blood In, Blood Out. So these two girls are quoting Blood In, Blood Out. And, and then when I, when I, when I um, posted on my Instagram, it had like um, 238,000 likes. People were hitting them up. And then when these girls came to America on vacation, they didn't go to Disneyland first. They didn't go to New York. They didn't go to San Francisco first. They went to Boyle Heights and took a picture in front of the same pine tree that's in Blood In, Blood Out, and they're like this. Wow. That so when I saw that, I know that the, the East LA, Boyle Heights, lowrider culture, it's worldwide now. It's in Japan. It's in Germany. It's in some parts of, um, of uh, New Zealand. You know, it's all over the world now. So I want to take the American stand-up style to Latin America and to Spanish-speaking countries. Because I, I've seen comedians from Mexico, you know, they're funny, but their Spanish is, like, at a different level from my Spanish. I don't understand it. They talk too fast. Yeah. I really have to focus and pay attention like this. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't get it. But I get other comedians. You know, I get Polo Polo. I get Platanito, India Maria, Capulina, those polyvoces. Because they're talking Spanish, you know, at, at the level that I am. But the newer comedians are coming from Mexico. 
they sound more Spanish to me, like maybe they're from Venezuela or from Spain, but they don't speak the way I speak. And when I, when I didn't understand it, I was like, hmm, if I don't understand it, that means there's other people who don't understand this. So I better do one in Spanish too, so we could all understand it. So that was my motivation to do one in Spanish and blow it up. Because um, I know there's a, a, a singer out of um, the Bronx. His name is Romeo Santos. Yeah, Bachatero. And he sings Bachata. And he's, his Spanish is perfect. And he's never left the Bronx. I mean, his art, his, everybody, all the Spanish speak, speakers know who he is. There's people, the people who speak English know who he is. Because that's a, that's a genre of music that you can, um, you could go to work all week and speak English. But on Saturday, you put on your bachata outfit and you speak Spanish the whole weekend. So I know that, um, and he has 179 million views. If Justin, if Justin Bieber has 500 views, Romeo Santos has 1 billion. You know, he has way more than Justin Bieber. And a lot of people have never heard of him. And then there's a, a band called um, Fuerza Regida out of San Bernardino. I hosted a show for them last two weeks ago. I had, I had to Google them. And they have a, a song that has 179 million views. These guys went platinum and gold without ever being played on the radio. So, and they all speak English, perfect English, but they sing in Spanish. That's nuts. So there's a market out there, man, and I want to capitalize on it. And I know that his, this band's fan, Romeo Santos fans who speak Spanish, are going to get my comedy. And, I, and my comedy is for all those people who speak Spanish and speak English, but don't, but, um, Never forgot about their culture. I love this, Felipe. You've really inspired me to to continue to uh, check your stuff out, man, and to look at these other bands and to see the importance behind being bilingual in America. That is not only a business decision, but it's a cultural decision. I interviewed this guy when I was interviewing that band name. Um, his name is um, Jimmy Umiles. He was born in America, and he left, he's the first Mexican. American to have a record label that go platinum and gold also without being played on the radio here's a band a, a group called El Fantasma and that guy's out of Mexico and 200 million views on YouTube just like they're, and they're bringing back um, old school Norteña you know so I know that these kids like they all speak English they live an American lifestyle but on, but on the weekends, man, they put on their cowboy boots and their skinny jeans and their built belt buckle. And, man, and they, they become Mexican again. Dude, congratulations, Felipe. I wish you the best of luck on your Netflix show, your movies, and all your projects, man. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. And before I say goodbye, here are three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. Nuestra Historia, Humboldt. Y si cuando 
Centro Miel. Tiempo, gravité. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on our page. Your support can help the show reach a larger audience. Also, if you like a shout out on the show, you can reach me at Twitter at Jack Rico Official. But in the meantime, I'd like to thank Felipe Esparza for coming on the show. His new bilingual comedy special, Bad Decisions, Malas Decisiones, is out in two languages on Netflix right now. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.